Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. the enemy knows. I'm not sure how he knows, but he often knows what is coming. And he, when we get close, he plants forces to get us to quit. And we need to just go through. We need to just be overcomers. Amen? Um... I, in high school, I, I wrestled. I like what somebody said about me. They said, he's not that good. But he wins because he won't quit. <laughs> Amen? Tell them the person next to you, don't quit. I love that Encounter is a place that you can come to and you can be encouraged and loved and accepted. That the ministry of Encounter is refreshing. I know it's a tough life. I know that we're living in difficult times. And I, I love that this is a place where you can get encouraged. And, and yet if that's all that we do, that's only half the truth. Paul told young Pastor Timothy, he told him to reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering because there was a coming a day when they wouldn't accept that being done. They would prefer to go somewhere and just get their ears tickled to find somebody that will tell them what they want to hear. And um, I'll never be that guy. I've, I've never been that guy. I'm never going to be that guy. I just can't. I, my wife and I made a decision a long time ago when we were called into the ministry, and I could not think of anything more horrifying to do than to stand up in front of people. And I, I, I finally gave in the first time and I'll never forget driving home from church that night and telling my wife, you mark my words, I will never do that again. Never. That was the most horrible, horrible time of my life. And I will never do that again. I lied. I, but we made a decision, and it, it, it was simple. I want to go to heaven. When everything's said and done, I, I, want, to, I, I want to be in heaven. That, that, listen, that, that, may, that may seem like a trite statement, but I've, left a, I've met a lot of people down through the years in the ministry that I'm not sure heaven is their goal. Their goal is a big church. Their goal is to be well-liked. I want to go to heaven. When everything is said and done, I, I want to I look in his face and I want him to look back at my face and say, well done. Second goal is I want to take as many people with me as I can. I don't want to go alone. I, 
I want my family to go. I want, I want people I meet, people that I am blessed to pastor. I want them to go. I'm not going to lie to you. I struggled all week with, with what I felt like God was putting on my heart. I only got relief this morning after about two hours of sleep last night. When I one more time hit my knees and asked God, is there something else maybe we can share? And he, through the Holy Spirit, spoke this to me. There are many who would like to preach what you're preaching, but they don't have the courage. I chose you because you don't want to preach what I gave you, and you do have the courage. Matthew chapter 5, 13, a message simply entitled, Good for Nothing. I know, encouraging right off the bat. Good for nothing. Matthew 5.13. If you know your Bible, you know that this is Jesus speaking, and he says this. You, speaking to us as believers, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it the earth be seasoned. It, the salt, is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Would you stretch your hand this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I just, I just, I, I trust you. You and I made a deal many, many years ago that I will not stand in front of your people and share your heart unless you're with me. And I, I sense you with me today now, Father. I need you to give me clarity of thought and liberty of spirit. I pray that I do you proud today, Father, by allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way and to speak to us. And I mean that, Father, to us. I need this message as much or more than anybody in this room. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. What a stark word. He didn't give us a choice. He didn't say we could sign up to be. He looked at believers and he said, you are the salt of the earth. It's what you are. It's not what we do. We don't salt the earth. We are the salt of the earth. With God, it's not about doing. It's about what you are. You are the salt of the earth. And then he said, but if the salt has lost its ability to be salty, how is the earth going to be seasoned? He said, if the salt has lost its ability to be salty, it's, it's good for nothing. 
it's thrown on the ground and trampled under the feet of men. Salt is not something we do. Anybody here like to salt your food? Anybody in here put too much salt on your food? Anybody in here trying to cut back on how much salt you put on your food? Salt is what we are. And salt, our saltiness, because it's what we are, should touch everything we do. In fact, God said, don't, don't engage him unless there's salt involved. Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13. And every oblation, that means offering, of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. God's saying with all that you do for him, I, he wants to detect the saltiness. You ought to be a salty dog. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to be salty. What, is, what does salty mean? What is, a couple of years ago, I had a kidney stone. Never want to wish that on anybody. And as it's being treated, I did a little reading, and I, I found that you could get a kidney stone by taking in too much calcium, which is like ice cream. Or you can take in too much salt. My wife says, we're going to cut you back on ice cream. I said, hold on, we got to talk to the doctor first. I said, did you hear that, God? You promised me a land that flows with milk and honey, milk, ice cream. I mean, it's like right there. And the doctor gave me a word of deliverance and said, this was not a calcium stone. It was a sodium stone. I body slammed her right there in the doctor's office. Ice cream, here we come. But salt is used to flavor something. You and I are called to flavor this earth. And if you're like me, I don't like the taste of what I see going on out there. We're having discussions about things that I never thought we would ever have discussions about. And I'm finding culture distasteful. You can't even hardly turn on your television about seeing something that just offends you. How many knows what I'm talking about? And 
And yet, if I don't like the taste of this world, the reality is it was you and I that's supposed to affect the flavor. When Abraham stood and looked off in the distance and saw the smoke rising up from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, some would say that what he saw was the result of too much sin. God would say what he saw was the result of not enough praying. Because as long as Abraham engaged God and said, if we find this many righteous people, would you spare it? And the mercy of God was there. And if we find that many righteous people, would you spare it? And the mercy of God was there. And, and God kept stooping as low as the church prayed. Until Abraham quit asking. If he'd have made one more move, one more prayer, everything would have been different. And I'm wondering about when you and I look across society and we complain about the flavor of our culture, I, I wonder about the role the church has played in this. We are, we are a nation of 300 million people, and I have no idea how many Christians there are. are. Are there 20 million? Are there 30? Are there, on a typical Sunday, 117 million people will gather in church. If half of those are real believers, that's 55 plus million people. We could change it, folks. Jesus changed the world with 11 half-hearted disciples who days earlier had quit on him and cursed saying they didn't know him, but they, they, they continued on and they moved forward. And they flavored their cities and they flavored their towns. Second thing that salt does is it preserves. In that culture, they, they don't have refrigerators and they didn't have access to ice. And so whether you were talking about fish or the, the cow that you killed or the pig, you would take your meat and you would just bury it in salt and and that, that salt then kept germs from growing. The meat wouldn't go bad. It would last a long time that way. And I wonder if we in the church have, have lost our ability to preserve. Because we just won't speak up. I have found with the enemy, if you don't tell him no, he'll assume a yes. And he will begin to encroach on your property. 
he will begin to make his direction there and, and he will persist. You and I in the body of Christ have been told to resist him and he'll flee. But he won't flee because we quit resisting. The Bible says that the last day's plan of the enemy, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, is to wear out the saints of God. Wear out means to just constantly rub. Constantly rub until almost like sandpaper. You just keep rubbing and rubbing and they seeks to wear out the people of God. We get tired of saying no. How many can relate to what I'm saying? And when he, the Bible says he seeks to wear out the saints of God and change times and laws. He, he, he doesn't want you to take time to pray anymore because he's convinced you it doesn't make a difference. He wants you to forget that the rules are stacked in our favor. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He'll take away the burning fire. He'll make a lion become a pillow. He'll turn the hands of time back. He'll stop the sun in the sky. His people can walk around a city and watch the walls fall down. A little boy in a stone can take out a demon in a giant. His people can walk on water. He can take a little boy's lunch and feed 5,000. The laws are in our favor, but we've forgotten that. I remember one time somebody is a challenged me as a pastor and said, who died and made you boss? And I said, Jesus did. I have the right to cast out demons. I am commanded to do so. I have a responsibility to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I have the right to get angry when I see a child of God being molested by the devil and entrapped and ensnared. I remember my chains. I remember how they brought me to my knees. I have a responsibility to get angry when another creation of God is in bondage. And something inside of me should send me forward to help them. That's what you do when you preserve. Number three, it makes people thirsty. They'll not be thirsty for you if you complain and whine all the time. I once made the statement, and I wasn't joking. I'm glad I got saved before I met very many Christians. Because after I got saved, what a whiny bunch. What a mealy-mouthed, whiny bunch I, I got baptized into. There were a few bright spots, but most of them looked like they'd been baptized in lemon juice with their eyes open. They will, 
My wife and I have been in ministry 35 years. I've never seen a fight over doctrine. I've never seen anybody fighting over who gets to pray for the sinner. I've never seen an argument about who's cast out more demons. But I've seen church people fight about the color paint on the walls and how much was spent on the carpeting. Come on. Who parked in my spot? Who's sitting in my pew? Should they be wearing that at church? We have allowed ourselves to become puny. We're choking at little things while big things are being driven right through the doors. You see, I I think that we as Christians ought to live our life in such a way we ought to be bearers of his light and his joy that it, it makes other people thirsty for what we have. Where they come to you and say, what is it about you, man? But we're all the time complaining and whining and I don't know how I'm going to get through. I know how you're going to get through. God. God's going to get you through. That's how you get through. I don't know the steps he's going to take, but I know this, God. I know he has never once failed me. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. God is the way you get through. And when we go through difficulties, we ought to be looking at an opportunity to make somebody else thirsty for our relationship with God. Flavor, seasoning, preservative, thirsty. I don't drink enough water. Anybody else? I need to drink more. Occasionally we'll send out for pizza. Those in my family, they like it one way, I like it the other way. So on my part, I usually get ham on pizza. I don't really like ham on pizza. But I get ham on pizza because an hour after eating it, I got to drink like five glasses of water. I'm just thirsty. That great philosopher, Mike Tyson, talking through his teeth. But he, he, there was a piece of wisdom that he shared in an interview when he was the king of the world at the time. They asked him about his training routine, and he said that he does his road work. That's when he goes out and runs. He does his road work at 3 o'clock in the morning. And they said, why do you do your road work at 3 o'clock in the morning? And like only Mike Tyson can say, he said, because I don't want to. The reporters looked at each other like that doesn't make any sense. Mike, I don't, wait a minute. <laughs> you can do your road work anytime. Why do you do your road work at 3 o'clock in the morning? God just told you. I don't want to. He could tell that they weren't getting it. He said, I do my road work at 3 o'clock in the morning because I don't want to. Because I know there's going to come a time in every fight 
When I've sat in the corner for 60 seconds and the bell rings, I'm not wanting to get back up and get in the middle of the ring. But I've trained myself to do what I don't want to do. So I do my road work at 3 o'clock in the morning. We in the church could learn something from Mike Tyson. We need to learn to keep our mouth shut when you're going through a tough time if it's not praise. Instead of becoming an advocate for what the devil is doing, you ought to become an advocate for what God is going to do to get you through this mess. There does come a time when you just need to be quiet. When your heart is full of fear and your heart is full of doubt and you really don't know what's going on, there is a time when you just shut up. Come on. Because I'm not going to give the devil any praise. I know that this is a season and I'm going to get through it. And I don't want to empower the enemy or extend the season by running my mouth. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's a good word. That's a good word there. The enemy doesn't have a mouth. He's a mute. Most people don't understand that. He's got to get our permission to use our mouth. And I refuse to give it. When you're down and out, just, just be quiet. Just, just keep, when you're mad, just, just shut up. You can't take it back once you say it. Come on now. I get mad just like anybody else. You know how I keep from saying something stupid? I just say this conversation is over right now. Maybe we'll pick it up tomorrow. But right now, i got to go pray. End the conversation. Because I can feel the enemy poking me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He's trying to get me to say something because he doesn't have a voice. He wants me to tear somebody up that God loves. And he doesn't have a voice to speak to them. And he wants to use mine. And I'm not going to give him that. So how do do we lose our saltiness? Jesus warned us here. Listen to me, this is a warning to us. Don't lose your saltiness. Jesus himself said, if you lose your saltiness, you become good for nothing. And that's not the heart of God for anybody in this room or anybody hearing my voice. It is the heart of God That when everything is said and done, he's able to look you in the face and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. He doesn't want to say to anybody in this room, You were good for nothing. But he warned us that was a possibility. He said these individuals who started off as the salt of the earth and became unsalty. They're good for nothing, and they're to be tossed out and trampled under men's feet. I wonder how many Christians are suffering difficulties today simply because they've lost their saltiness. So how do I lose my saltiness? Number one, my saltiness is related to how I engage other people. Mark 
Salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. How you engage other people makes a difference to God. They're His kids. They're His creation. Come on, give me, give me one of these. You can lose your saltiness. Sir, the way you treat your wife can hinder your prayers. I didn't make it up. The Bible said that. But you treat your wife can hinder your prayers. You can't just treat your wife any old way. You can't treat other people just any old way you want to. You need to see them as a valuable individual that God made them to be. How else can we lose our saltiness in our relationship to God? Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So likewise, again, Jesus is speaking. Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Is that what your Bible says? Anybody got their Bible open? Is that what it says? That's a pretty straight word. Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You listening this morning? Are we listening to what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us? One of the fallacies of the church is we is the pass-off disease. You like the message, you take it in. You don't like it, you pass it off to the guy next to you. Man, he's getting all over my husband. You turn around to see if so-and-so's here because you know they need to hear this. I just got this crazy idea. The Bible says that the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. None of you flew in here this morning. There are no brooms parked in the lobby, I don't think. Everybody used footsteps to come to this room. So if footsteps brought you in here and your footsteps are ordered of the Lord, guess what? God wanted you to hear this message. It's not passed off for somebody, it's for me. He's speaking to me. I learned a long time ago, I'm not speaking to the people, I'm speaking to us. I'm speaking to us, folks. I preach myself under conviction more times than I can tell you. I'm preaching to all of us here. And Jesus said this. 
you've not forsaken all, all, not most, not much, not a lot, not by measuring how much you used to and how far you've come, but unless you've forsaken all, he related our saltiness to the level of our forsaking everything else. So I ask you this morning, have you lost your saltiness? Have you lost your saltiness? Heidi Baker says love looks like something. She goes on to tell you love looks like the person who's in your face right now. Pastor Rice, I don't know who to minister to. I'll tell you who, you, who do you see right now. That's who. That person in front of you. You lost your saltiness. Do you care about other people? This isn't a word of condemnation. It's a reproof. It's exhortation. It's exhortation. Have you loved on anybody? Have you spoken life into anybody's life this week? Have you flavored anybody's life? Is there anybody on this planet? Is there a name right now? I'm just a human. What I think about you is irrelevant. But what God thinks about you is everything. If God walked up to you this morning and said, whose life have you flavored this week? What name would you throw out? Now you can lie to man and get by with it, but you can't lie to God. He is truth. Whose life have you flavored this week? Whose life is found worthy of living? We're living in a culture of death. Who has found life worthy of living because of the God you serve is flavoring their life? Who? This isn't some, you know, vague, foggy notion. It should look like something. It should be a person. I love you, church. Listen to me for a moment. I've earned the right to preach this stuff. Not a hireling. Spent most of my pastoral years never getting a dime for pastoring. But in years as a pastor, I've got zilch and paid $20,000 into the church out of my own money to keep the doors open. My family has paid a horrible price. We've lived in a house with no heat and no electric while the church still had its electric and its, its heat. And we had services while we went home to an empty cupboard in a cold house with no utilities because I wouldn't steal from the church. My wife and I have paid the price. We've taken in foster kids. We've taken in people who had nowhere else to go. I've worked a job unloading trucks that started at 4 o'clock in the morning 
which meant I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning to get up and have my prayer time and my Bible time and get showered and get to work and, and unload trucks until 6 o'clock in the evening to rush home to get to Bible study at 7. I've earned the right to speak the truth. There's nobody has any bonds on me. I'm beholden to nobody. I'm not saying that braggingly. I want to be liked like everybody else. But whether you like me or not, it really doesn't matter. i got to be faithful to his word. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. He said, you've got to be willing to forsake everything else. Or you're not worthy to be his disciple. I told somebody this week, one of the things about heaven is everybody who's there wants to be there. What flavoring have we done in somebody's life? Where have we preserved godliness? Where have we stood up? Where have we spoken up? When the enemy's trying to encroach into somebody's life, when have we spoken up? Jesus went through his ministry preserving life on a daily basis. And it was he who said, these works that I've done, you'll do greater. Whose life have you preserved? When you can see darkness trying to sneak in, have you taken time out of your life to preserve life? I don't say this braggingly, but we need to be willing to sacrifice. I was living as a homeless man. I was hungry and I was cold. And I had God wake me up at 2.30 in the morning and show me a man sitting in a car behind an abandoned building a half a mile away from where I was at. And I was like, God, I just got warm. And it would have been all too easy just to turn over and shut my mind off of it and go back to sleep. I gathered my stuff. I granted, I grumbled half the way. But I obeyed. Why? Because he's done more for me, David, than that. He isn't going half a mile. He came from heaven and came to this earth. And I walked up to the young man's car and I opened the door and I really should have planned ahead. I sat down and shut the door and he had a beer bottle in one hand and a gun in the other. I said, hey, man, what's up? <laughs> I don't have any theology for that. I was unprepared. I've got no training for this. But I don't need any training. I've got God inside of me. I am the salt of the earth. And if I have saltiness where I go, it flavors things. And if you have saltiness, you preserve life. You see, enveloping that man in his car was a spirit of death. 
Listen to me for a moment. But when I sat down in the seat, death left because life was inside of me. I didn't have to have the right words. Four years later, he's a pastor. We're the salt of the earth. We should preserve. We should make people thirsty for what we have. Some of y'all want testimonies, but you never want to take the test. You want to be overcomers, but you don't want to overcome anything. You want to be more than a conqueror, but the moment a, a something comes up to be conquered, you, you squeal like a stuck pig. Come on, church. Instead of seeing that uncircumcised Philistine insulting the armies of God, you see a giant bigger than your God. That don't make people thirsty. Paul talked about that we should not have sorrow like those who don't have God have sorrow. So whose life are you flavoring? I love you enough to ask the question because guess what? It's on the test. There's no test to get into heaven. That's not what you hear me saying. But Jesus said, if you haven't forsaken all to become my disciple, you're not worthy to be my disciple. He said it. I didn't. And he related it to our saltiness. So I ask you, are you salty enough? You see, I, I, can't, I, I can't find in Scripture any other group of people that Jesus tosses away like this. He's been so merciful to me. Anybody else? He's been so good to me. He's gone far beyond I ever thought he would. And certainly far beyond ever I deserved. But listen to him when he talks about these people that have lost their saltiness. He said, what, what good are they? They're, they're good for nothing. Just throw it on the ground. Be trampled under by men. And in Mark, he said, it's not good to be thrown in, it's not even good enough to be thrown in the dunghill. I don't want to be good for nothing. I don't want to be good for nothing. I don't want that. I don't want that for any of you because there's so much more there's so much more when you, you could you could flavor somebody's life and now their life is worth living and they want to know about the God you serve because they got thirsty for your God and you preserve life because you prayed for them. When was the last time you prayed for a lost person to get found? I can't say every day, but I can tell you nearly every day. There are names that I call out. Throughout the day, they'll come to my mind. 
is one person that is so bound in such a dark place. I love what the Holy Spirit has given me to pray for them. It'll just come on me, Pam, and I'll see this person, and I'll pray it out loud. God, shatter their darkness. You want to know why God has me pray that for them? Because that's what he intends on doing. (laughs) God, shatter their darkness. And there'll come a moment when somebody, I don't care who, I'm not going to put them on a chart and claim them. I don't care who, but somebody is going to say something. Somebody is going to do something. The Holy Spirit is going to empower that and shatter their darkness. Michael Jordan said, I've never made a shot I didn't shoot. I've never seen somebody get healed that I didn't pray for. You say, but aren't the ones that didn't get healed? You prayed for them and they didn't get healed. That's not my job. My job isn't to heal. My job is to pray. I did my job. I've done my job. Sometimes they get healed miraculously. Sometimes they don't. Somebody says, what do you say when they don't get healed? I say, next. What? My job's to pray. Listen, listen to me for a moment. I'd rather pray for 100 people and see five get healed than pray for nobody and see nobody get healed. And between now and when, when I go to heaven, me and God will work on getting the other 95. You may say, well, that's discouraging, Pastor. It used to be none. And I take you to a whole lot more than five. So, so who, whose life are you flavoring? I know this is in your, in, a, in your face message. It's okay. It's in my face, too. It's in my face, too. Whose life are you flavoring? Whose life are you preserving? A name, a name. That's some surreal. Oh, Pastor, I'm, I'm flavoring. Who? I am. Who? Um, yeah. Years ago, I had a lady that, I was a young minister, and <laughs> you want to at least feel like when you're preaching, you're doing some good, you know? But she was a demon sent from hell to buffet me. She was. She, she sat in, I'm not going to name her name, but she sat in the second row over here, and I'm telling you, five minutes into every message, she's like, her head was back. She's a little short thing. I don't trust little short women anymore. Oh, except for Tracy. <laughs> she was a little short woman, and she'd fall asleep, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying. I'm just, I'm just doing my best. And I've got to look past that. And she had those Coke bottle glasses, you know, and sometimes they'd slip off to the side. And she slept. 
And then she started in. It seemed like almost every Sunday morning. Pastor Rice, I am so tired today. I went out to revival last night. Now, you want to hear good preaching. I'm telling you the truth. That's what she'd say. She said, you ought to shut down service tonight and take everybody over there because now that guy can preach. She said, I'll tell you what, I ran and I shouted. And she says that and all I can see is, And it was, I mean, it was months of this. I, I'd see her coming. I'd run the other way. I can't deal with this. I felt like I did okay. Oh, Pastor Rice, I'll tell you what. Now that's a preacher. She'd say stuff like that. I won't be back tonight. Oh, it was worse. Some of them were Baptists. I thought, he doesn't even have the Holy Ghost. How could he be any good? I'm just teasing. And then one day, God delivered me. She came in and she said, Pastor Rice, I was in service last night. All my years of serving, I have never heard a message like that. It changed my life. I will never be the same. And the Holy Ghost prompted me. He said, ask her what he preached on. I said, sister, that's awesome. What, what, what did he preach on? She goes, I don't know, but I'll tell you what, I, I ran all over the building. She said, I went out on the power three times. My husband had to pick me up and put me on the pew. I said, did it change your life? She said, I'm forever changed. I said, what would he preach on? I said, what was the scripture he used? What was the title of the message? She goes, oh, I don't know. It was just good. And I wanted to say, that was 10 hours ago. You did that 10 hours ago. I have no idea how this fits into my message. But I'm sure it does somehow. You, you plug it in. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. I told the story. But have you lost your saltiness? You leave here today and you run into somebody at a restaurant and things aren't going right and they're not waiting on you fast enough. Do you have any salt for them? Or are you going to just criticize them like everybody else? Their life going down the tubes. And they're just a single mom just struggling to pay bills and just keep food on the table. And her mind is distracted because her kids are in trouble and she's waiting on a, at Bob Evans. And, and, and all you got is criticism? Come on, church. This is real stuff. This is real stuff. That person you cut off. Bible says to bless and curse not, and you cursed. He said they were an idiot. Well, God made them. You don't know what they're going through. I understand getting mad at them. In Marion, Ohio, it used to be a rite of passage. 
Marion, I don't know, they, they did something wrong, and they, half the streets are one-way streets. And, and they're not even marked. And we first moved there, I can't tell you how many times I'm driving up the road, and I'm thinking, why are those people coming right at me? And then when you get by them, they, you know, they give you those hand motions. Or they'd, they'd, they'd show, tell you you were number one, you know what I'm saying? And then after we lived there like two years, I'm driving up a one-way and somebody's coming my direction. I couldn't wait to get at them. Dude, get out of Serious. And I felt this big when they go by it with my church clerk and she saw me. What, what can you do? But, but fl- that your saltiness should have a name to it. It's not some out there thing. Who is it? Whose life have you flavored this week? Listen, if you didn't do it this week without a change, you won't do it next week. You didn't do it yesterday, you won't do it tomorrow. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. You need to be salty. Don't lose your saltiness. It doesn't turn out well. It doesn't turn out well. Good for nothing. I don't want to be good for nothing. I want to make it hard for people to go to hell around me. I may not know always what to do, but I can put myself in front of them. I can say, I may not have the right thing to say all the time, but I can say something. I may not always know what to do, but I can do something. They went to the hospital, and his wife was a small lady, and they'd been struggling for years to have children and she gets pregnant and she's pregnant with five kids and the doctors say you gotta you gotta you gotta get rid of four of those or at least three and they said we we, we can't we can't do that it's not who we are the doctor said if you don't they'll all die And we can argue all day about the right thing to do here. Their choice was just to trust God. It didn't work out well. They didn't have the money for the first funeral, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth. Every two or three days. She has complications, and she's stuck in the hospital. And this young father calls me up and says, Pastor, my, my first baby died. And my, my family has a plot, but the funeral, the cemetery wants X amount of dollars, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And I said, I'll meet you there, and I'll bring shovels. Three days later, he called me up. Brother, you don't even need to ask. When, when do you want me to meet you? 
Do I want to do that? No. No, I don't want to do that. But I want to. I want to keep darkness from closing in on this young couple. It was just digging a hole. It was just handling a baby. It was. It was just a wooden box. But it, it, was, it was preservative. It was salty. Because I, I know what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to blow them away for their stance and belief in God. And in the only way I knew how, beyond words, for 45 minutes we stood shoulder to shoulder digging dirt five different times. I've not used his name. I can tell you his name. I can see his face. I can see both of their faces, and we're connected on Facebook, and I can see his wife talking about how good God is to this day. Because you know what? God is good. Even when we can't figure him out, he's good. Even when we can't add it all up, he's good. So I ask you, whose life have you flavored? Whose life have you preserved? Who have you made thirsty? I stand in front of you and tell you I've not flavored enough lives. I've not preserved enough. I've not always made people thirsty. And I need to change that. And this also comes in practical ways. I'll ask you this question and then if the Lord lets me, we're done. On Wednesday night, we gather together here as believers. And we engage in studying the word of God that we might become more salty. And I'm asking you, where are you at? Do you have so much of God you just, you don't need anymore? Has anybody in this room got that much? Are you so engaged with something so godly you can't free yourself from that to come engage other believers? You don't go to heaven because you go to church on Wednesday night. You don't go to heaven because you go to church on Sunday. But can I tell you that what keeps you out of church on Sunday and Wednesday may keep you out of heaven? It may be the same thing. We need to be coming together as believers. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, even more so, as you see that day approaching. What are you doing on Wednesday night that's so God-awful important you don't come to Wednesday night service so that you can get saltier? We have a, a, a ministry to teens young people that show up here on Wednesday night. I'm going to be frank with you. We got a mess. No other way to put it. These kids are coming here. They overwhelm the staff. They're hurting. They need an adult to look them in the eye and speak a word to them. Say something to them. 
Look at all the people Jesus spoke one sentence to, and it changed their forever. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Little girl, arise. Take up your bed and walk. A few words from God have power. And a few words from God through you has power. But if you won't get off your butt and come to church and get in front of these teenagers to share that word, that word will never be shared. They'll show up here on Wednesday night. We're to the point we literally are or to the place we have to think about telling some of them not to come because we don't have staff enough. Our staff is, is, is pouring out. They're overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Not only the sheer number, but the need. The last month alone, out of those kids that show up here, two of them have been hospitalized on suicide watches. But they came here. And we warehoused them, and our staff is pouring their guts out to minister to those kids. A word could change them. Somebody to be preservative and flavor. They don't think life is worth living. And when they come in by the dozens and dozens and dozens and they see five adults show up, you're sending a message to them. I don't get paid whether one person or nobody shows or a thousand show up on Wednesday night. I'm just preaching the truth. If you don't have enough God to get in front of somebody and share God with them, you don't have enough of God. And you need to get more. That's a word. You and I need to be to the place that we're overflowing with God. That you show up on Wednesday night, not, not just to receive. I need somebody. I got to get this out of my heart. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I prayed for them today. God spoke to me today. I've got a word for somebody. I just need to find them. I need to wade into this mass of young people whose life is on the edge and I need to have a word from them. I've spent time with God and I'm going to flavor their life and I'm going to preserve their life and I'm going to make them thirsty for the God that I serve. But if you're sitting at home because your program is on Wednesday night and you can't come, I've been told that. Or you're too tired. I'm glad God wasn't too tired to come down and save me. I'm glad he found time in his schedule to save a wretch like me. And I owe him a return favor. This is a day that the Lord has made. The Bible says that he loads this day with benefits. It's my heart's prayer every day that when my day is over, I can give him this day back, and somehow, some way, I've honored him with it. But if I've only done my selfish, soulish pursuits, I've, I've offended the heart of God with my selfishness. If I've not flavored somebody's life, if I've not been used of God to preserve, 
If I've been so selfish that nobody wants what I got. Stand to your feet. Maybe I'll stop. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.